0: Hey hey and welcome to Moving in a podcast where we talk about a culture that like a stick of butter in a hot pot has melted into something beautiful. From great people to great food, from music that makes you dance to festivals that make you happy. And from time to time we also talk about our local real estate market. I'm your host John Ray Perkins. Let's get moving. Who is Todd Citron? Like how like Tell us a little bit about yourself. Still trying to figure that one out. are we all? Um, I'm a lifelong Lafayette resident. Uh, went to Cathedral
1: Carmel my whole life. All my brothers went to Cathedral. Um, my family was my the Forche family was my mother's maiden name from Generette. They were they were uh, sugarcane farmers, and uh, and uh, my grand my grandmother and grandfather were um, off uh, to Honduras to. To teach the people over there how to do sugar cane. And it didn't work out. And he came up the Mississippi River and saw a plant uh, with steam coming out of it. And it was the Ford Motor Company in, on, in New Orleans in 1918. And uh, he followed the smoke to the plant because he needed a job and uh, ended up sweeping the floors for the Ford Motor Company. And uh, after uh, working there from then until 1943, he was awarded the franchise in Lafayette. And uh, that's how we got in the Ford business. Uh, it's a very supernatural, great story. That's but, cool. Uh, our family's been with Ford now 104 years, I guess, uh, something like that. And so uh, it's all we know. The business will be 85 years old uh, next year. Wow. And uh, it's, it's uh, it was super interesting.
0: 80, 80 years. I apologize. 80, years. I don't want to get ahead of myself. 80 years in business. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So um, um, anyway, you were telling yeah. me you used to, did you, did you say you walked?
1: Yeah. It? Yeah. So for old time that listen to this podcast, and I don't know if the, if, if timers listen to podcasts, but uh, <laughs> you know, I was at Cathedral Elementary, and there was uh, if y'all remember downtown, there was uh, George. Wa- there was a paint company with George Washington on a mu- big old mural on the building, and that's how I knew where to turn on Vermilion Street. So I would take my little book sack in the first grade, and I'd walk down several blocks, probably not safe today, uh, and I would take a left at George Washington, and I would go down, and I would actually pass up the dealership, which used to be where the federal courthouse is today and i would go to the imperial 400 motel which was next door which is now like the sheriff's department and uh, i would slip about uh, 50 cents on the counter and get a racing form because i like horse racing and at the age of about seven or eight years old i was handicapping horses and so instead of doing my homework i would go in the dealership and i'd read the racing form and so that was kind of a little bit of my youth you know we were kind of uh, again the youngest of uh, six boys and we uh uh, we we enjoy life and horse racing and the car business. I don't know that's all rolled up in there. And, of course, uh, my mother was, uh, uh, you know, as close as you can get to Mother Teresa. She started almost every philanthropy organization in Lafayette, Food Net and Faith House and uh, Project RX and uh, the Monsignor Segura Center, which became Catholic Charities. And so, you know, mom led the way for, for giving back to the community. And, and that's something that we hope we can continue. Yeah, and yeah. it seems like y'all are carrying on that legacy. We're so gonna try real hard, you know. Um, uh, we're very proud, uh, uh, and we've been given so much. And uh, so the dealership's just one big, big family. We have about 140 employees, and um, ha- have at times been the number one Ford store in Louisiana and in our region. But uh, the,
0: the, the car business is crazy right now. Yeah, it is. Well, we'll jump into that. Uh, yeah. you, you're. So it's your mom that um, passed down the faith to you. Yeah,
1: for your sure. Your faith is yes, my dad was a convert. She, she told him uh, that she wouldn't marry him unless he became Catholic. And uh, when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, which was actually, what, just a few days ago, yesterday, maybe even um, December 7th, 1941, my dad was on Canal Street and uh, he was in a barbershop. And when they heard the news that the Pearl Harbor had happened, he and his friends literally sprinted down Canal Street and l- enlisted in the Navy. And then he spread it home and asked my mother to get married. And she said. I won't marry you unless you become catholic and he became catholic on a on a navy ship in the south pacific. So that's that story. Go mom. Uh, yeah. She uh, many many years later, not long ago, mom's passed away now, but she she said I want you to have something and she pulled out this crusty old envelope with a rosary in it and she said this was your dad's rosary when when he was baptized on the ship. She says I want you to have it and uh, and it, I opened it up and it was this black crusty rosary that was all like mangled and she says you can tell
0: he didn't use it very much, you know. So that's how that goes. Wow! <laughs> All these little neat nuances. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So, y- y- you said that y'all were awarded the franchise. Um, is is that still a thing today? Like, yeah. H- how does how does the Ford?
1: Yeah. So so. Every occasionally uh, there there are new points, you know, that that Ford
0: will give a franchise to. Is it based off a population like
1: Uh, (laughs) it's more politics, I guess, today, Uh, you know, but um, most of those points have been filled, I guess. And they're actually going the other way. They're, They're taking some of the small stores out. Ford would like to deal with less people. So, you know, some of the smaller dealers in the United States, they're, they're trying to buy them out. I think that's what you're seeing with this electric thing. Uh, it costs $1.2 million to raise your hand and be in the electric business, and this is happening right now. And it's another way of them to wean out some of the smaller stores. They, they'd like to have less points. Okay. So that's kind of what's happening. Um, so we're knee-deep in, in, in moving into the electric world, which I don't like.
0: Got you. Um, and when you say electric row you're talking about electric cars.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. We, 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 we sell very few. Um, they make a lot of fuss about it. They like
1: to talk, talk about it on TV and it's very expensive for the infrastructure and, uh, and they break and uh, the batteries don't last super long. And, and being in the oil business, I would much rather a gasoline engine car or a truck rather. And, uh, so anyway, that's kind of where we are on that. It's a sore subject.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so I drove North, here recently Mm -hmm. passed up the dealership how long have y'all been at that location Mm, it's been uh 30 about 30 about 32 years or so okay um i noticed that uh you know i don't know it's probably been six eight months since i've headed that way down 49 uh it seems like there's more vehicles on the lot today we have not had new car inventory in
1: a year and a half to two years, but, you know, we, we are getting lots of inventory, but they come and they go before they hit the lot. But but finally, I think there's maybe a light at the end of the tunnel, and uh, we've received several F-150s that aren't sold. And so that's a good thing and a bad thing. You know, I'd rather see the lot empty, you know, uh, that way we could do more fishing and hunting. Uh, we always <laughs> joked around if we sold everything, we could go fishing and hunting every day, and we did it. Now we got to go back. <laughs> to reality. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So much like um much like the housing market and you know uh in 2020 interest rates went down was it interest rates that caused the uh, inventory shortage? No, nothing to do with interest rates. It was the, the computer chips, you know,
1: I think. Oh, that's probably, true. I forgot you about know, that. That's, that's how the whole thing started with all types of materials. Like right now, they're having a hard time just finding badges for the F-150s. Like they can't create a little silver badge that says F-150 or, you know, it could be all the little bitty things like window wiper motors. And so there's a a, a major part shortage in the world and it's a supplier issue and it's an international
0: issue so all those little things make it hard to deliver a car okay where do you um where do you see the car industry going i've heard all kind of speculations about we're going to order direct like people have been and they're going to come to the dealership and like what are your thoughts who i have a
1: lot of thoughts on that um passionate about about car dealerships and, and, and and people and having to support the local communities about having franchise dealers. I think that, um, you know, there would be very few little league teams and soccer teams, uh, if, if you took car dealers away. And of course, someone has to service the vehicle anyway. So there has to be a relationship. And as much as people today, especially younger kids want to buy online and they don't want to talk to nobody. And, uh, you know, they'd rather just not know who they're dealing with. Uh, in the end, when you're stranded on the side of the road, you better have somebody to call other than the, you know, than Facebook. So, um, you know, I think that personal service is still the most important thing. And I think kids that become adults realize that, you know, most people, when they buy a car, they, they ask their parents or, or a close friend, hey, where should I go? And I think ultimately that's the way to do it, you know, word of mouth. Uh, but, you know, you have to be very savvy with social media, too. We, we do an excellent job online, I think. Uh, there's a lot we get probably 30, 40 real internet prospects a day that come through and we, we dish them out to all the salespeople and you have to be very responsive and ask, answer all the questions. But in the end, our, our salesman's job are to get them in the store, show them the service department, show them who we are, and I think that's what ends up closing the deal hopefully. Um, if we have good products and good people and you know good good service, we're going to have a lot of we gonna have a good business. So anyway, that's that's uh, I, I, you know am, the Amazons of the world and all this. Yeah, there's going to be, uh, Ford's pushing us down into pickup and delivery on on service, and that's that sounds all great, you know, but it's just hard to deliver. And uh, I think still it's best for people to come into
0: the store, um, and and experience one on one. Uh, I, I agree with that. Uh, I've bought, I don't know, three or four vehicles from you guys and y'all have great service. You have great salespeople. Um, I've, I've dealt with uh, a couple of your salespeople. One of them, um, Mr. Ralph. Uh, yeah. He, uh, Legend. yeah, <laughs> been around forever. Um, but, uh, I couldn't wrap my head around buying a vehicle that I hadn't seen. Right. I know and people do it every day, especially
1: used cars, that's super scary, you know. Uh just wouldn't recommend that at all. Um you got to you got to deal with somebody you can trust. And we, we go above and beyond to try and take care of the customer and we're frustrated with our own service department many times. It's hard to get parts and we're backed up and uh you know all those things that the customers are frustrated with, we're frustrated with. And I think not every dealer can say that, you know. Um I think they would just say, "Well, that's just tough," you know the way it is. We're gonna take a number, but we're not like that. I think the salesmen know that uh, if they're gonna be in sales, they have to they have to go and get super involved with service. I want my salespeople and the service department talking to the customers and trying to resolve these issues. And we have 60 loaner cars that no other dealership has, and we want to be able to accommodate a customer when they're down and put them in another car. And it's another good way to sell a car because they're 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 driving our new car, we're fixing their old car, and it's call called the old puppy dog. You don't want to give the puppy dog back. And so then say, Hey, is this for sale? Sure is, <laughs> Everything. You know, uh, but it is good customer service. And, and so we've, even through COVID and the hard times where we could have sold all those cars, we kept them in our, in our rental department. And I think that, that uh, puts us in a different league with, with the
0: others we're, we're competing with. So what, in addition to that, what are the things that you feel like sets Hub City a- apart? It's our people, you know.
1: It's always been our secret sauce, you know. We we've um, just so many stories. Uh, and you and I love to tell stories, you know. And I I, I think I learned that through Dale Carnegie for myself, but. We had a. Uh, I, I've been to many funerals of many past employees. Uh, one in particular, a gentleman that worked for us as a shop foreman for for fifty years, and his wife stood up at the funeral and said, "You know, I want to tell you all a story about how he came to work at Hub City Ford. and he, he he went to World War II, and he landed downtown on the train station, and and was aimless, had no job, nothing, was just a, a Louisiana boy, and and wandered around in downtown, and ended up in the dealership, and he walked in my grandfather's office and said, hey, I need a job. And my grandpa said, well, what can you do? And he says, I can't do anything. He says, I really don't have any skills. He says, well, he says, you're a World War II veteran. You know, we we, we support veterans and we appreciate you and we're going to find something for you to do. And he became our shop foreman and stayed 50 years, you know. Wow. So that's just kind of a little bitty sneak preview of this, the people we have. I have a lady right now, our accounts receivable lady. She just turned 88, and she's been with the company 65 years, and she's still there every morning at 5 a.m., and she's phenomenal. So that's a little touch of some of our people.
0: Yeah, I mean, throughout the years of, you know, being in and out, um, I've, n- I've noticed that. That's one of the things I've noticed is yeah. you see the faces and the faces stay consistent. They do. And yeah. if you work there, you'd say that's a bad thing.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> we get sick of each other a little bit. <laughs> no, but uh, like sure. uh, Mr. Mike Boutin like, opens the service department at 3.30 a.m. every day. And so we open our service doors at 3.30 a.m. Y'all start day. taking vehicles at 3.30 a.m.? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so the, the, you know, the old oil field fleet guys love that, you know, and anyone who's an early riser knows they can come get a cup of coffee and get their car written up. And uh, the techs start rolling in about probably 5 a.m. And so it's an early morning kind of place. I I get there maybe at 6 and 6.30 and I'm like late, you know, I'm like the 30th person that gets to work. Uh, So it's it's a very unique place and people come because they love it and they stay because they love it. We've had many employees retire and unretire. you know it's
0: interesting and all your whole family works there like all your your, your brothers they all get a check there I don't know if they all work there
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh all of my brothers worked there at one time or another five of us really for, for 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 you know our whole careers uh my brother randy was uh used to drive the wrecker in high school and worked there and whatever but he became an electrical engineer and he's retired now but uh yeah we all we all work five of us were consistently working side by side for many years for 30 years wow yeah and my brother rusty he's 77 he's the dealer and he's he's there at 5 a.m. every day. And uh, I guess we, my dad and my grandfather, and he never retired. And I I tell people all the time, I'll never retire. I just, it's just what we do. You know, we enjoy what we do. So
0: sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) How has the industry evolved over the last three years? Um, Well, Locally, it's changed a lot,
1: because it, there never was a situation where dealers owned multiple franchises back, back and when we began. So now you got people that are promoting Ford, and then chevy and dodge and i don't know how you can do that you know that would be difficult for me because like i've always promoted one product and you know um i think it's it's it waters down the to the customer because you you know they come in and you go oh well you don't like ford well well, Chevy's good too, and how about Dodge? You know, and uh, you know, it, it kind of you start splitting your your manpower and your, your loyalty, and you know your your uh, communication with the factory, and all that gets watered down because you, you know you you're you're going out of so many buckets, and so that's changed. You know, there's there's several places in uh, Lafayette that that sell many different products, and you know that's something that has changed to me. To me, for the worse, you know. I, I I think, but you know, I'm not saying those guys do a bad job. It's just um, I'm just one of those loyal kind of guys, you know. Pick one and run with it. And so we've always we've never really looked much to expand. We've just Ford. We just we just sell Fords, and we try and concentrate on doing the best job we can, and and delivering that to the product. In regards to the company, it's totally changed. Ford is is dealing with you from Dearborn, Michigan. They they don't have reps anymore. They used to have these young kids that come in the store and we would train them but you know they don't even send send you those people anymore so now you're dealing over the over the internet and over the phone and you know it's it's gotten very long distance and i don't like that and i think it's terrible and it's it makes for a bad experience for the customers too i, I hope that there'll be a renaissance in the business soon because i feel like they will because you know we need service reps and regional managers to be in uh, look at look at us in the eyeballs and and and, and and see what's really going on in the stores you know uh, we go from servicing customers to now ford you know hey get a ford credit card how many credit cards can you sell and you know uh it's just become ridiculous i mean we're, we're concentrating on all kind of silly little things that don't make sense you know so that that part is very frustrating for us we we when i have a good customer and it's a gray situation i want to be able to call someone from ford and get them help and uh, we still do that but i got it i gotta got to go through all kind of hoops and that's frustrating
0: yeah as the world changes right yeah yep um what is it about our area so kind of shifting gears a little bit um about the acadiana area that you love
1: that i love i love all of it you know um I, I do uh, you know I host uh, the the podcast Cajun Catholics I've taped almost 200 shows in three and a half years and I've gotten to meet so many people with such a such deep faith it's 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 definitely the faith community that makes Acadiana so strong it's the hidden little secret I, i'm a I'm a diehard uh, you know a cradle Catholic and Crecio for me is is something my mother started the women's Chriscio in Prairie Rone and it's the it's it's just the little nugget of the whole country, honestly, and maybe the whole world. Uh, it's a big statement, but you know the, the cradle of Catholicism, where we these men are so steeped in their in their faith, and I'm so inspired by that. And and, and it's the women too, but but there's a strong uh, set of men that con- that have come through Acadiana in the last eighty to hundred years that have set the table, and it's it's what it's every little bit when you see a door open uh, that a general when holds open or any kind of little nicety you know a grace that you receive it, it's generally coming from that deep-rooted cursia you know i'll say uh people's it's being they, they their their reach is so wide their touch is so wide uh father ted broussard's dad the priest in prairie Run passed away i went to this funeral in kaplan they had 80 men okay that had made cursia that are or shoulder to shoulder holding each other's shoulders over the caskets doing a cursia rosary. And I I wept, you know, for like Mm -hmm. a half an hour. It's the most moving thing I've ever been to. And I've been to many of them prior
0: to, but uh, that's, that's Acadiana. Yeah. Yeah. There is such a deep faith. And, and I think that I think that the faith of this area even overflows into the people who don't have faith, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, when, when when we encounter that authentic faith, I mean, I, I get stopped all the time with people who, you know, don't even really believe in Jesus mm-hmm. to ask me about my faith, you know? Um, and I think it's just a, a testimony of who we are.
1: Yeah, it's the joy of the Lord in us and people see that and they want that. So that's what I see. And then, like I said, if if uh, if, if a helicopter hovered over that little church in Kaplan uh, from Tokyo, Japan, or somewhere, and they said, like, what is going on down there? You know, they'd be like, this is something special. And so, you know, uh, I just believe that, that um, we have such a reach, and I do. It's the joy of the Lord you see it on people's faces and it's what makes Acadiana so special and we love our food and, and our culture I say Cajun Catholics is a mixture of
0: faith and culture and it really is and that's who we are so uh, if somebody wanted to listen to Cajun Catholics where could they find uh-huh. well um, the the radio station is
1: the local Catholic radio uh, KLFT on uh, it's a uh, local Catholic radio Christ uh, Christ our King I think it's a station can't hear it very well uh, it's it's fuzzy it depends where you are, uh, but it's, um, it's 90.5 FM and, uh, and then, but the podcast is best listened to uh, on your, I I tell older people who don't know how to work their Apple phone. It's the purple button on your Apple phone, the podcast button. And if you search Cajun Catholics, that's where all the episodes are. We do have a Facebook page that my daughter runs and it can be found there.
0: And then also uh, Spotify and, uh, and on um, SoundCloud. Okay. Yep. Cool. We'll put a link, um, we'll put a link in this all episode right. to it. Um, so speaking of food and culture, if you had to pick your favorite Cajun dish, what would it be? Oh man, I make them I am the self-proclaimed best chicken and sausage gumbo guy in
1: Acadia or in the world actually. So, you know, I put like five different kinds of sausages in my gumbo and my kids it it pulls them to my house and all the grandkids. Everybody loves my gumbo.
0: So, you know, that's it for me. It's my chicken and sausage gumbo. All right. So Brandon, if you're listening to this episode, I need to know when Todd's going to cook the next gumbo? <laughs> I'll, I'll send you some. Um, do you, are you a festival girl? We have a lot no, of
1: festivals. I, you know, I've been to the festival one time in my life because they made me. And uh, and I got in a lot of trouble for that because uh, that guy that ran ACA downtown, he brought us at our Rotary Club. We did a little tour. And he says, do you know what's the biggest event in Lafayette? And I go, it's the car show. Of course <laughs> it's the car show. And the guy got so mad with me. He's like, it's the festival. I'm like, no, it's the car show.
0: It's kind of like a festival. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, Not a uh, festival goer. Last question: um, If someone were listening to this episode and they were thinking about, you know, starting a business or jumping into the business world, is there any advice that you would give them? Hmm. Don't be shit scared. You know, I think most people that I
1: see in business, uh, whether you're at entry level or middle middle manager or even an entrepreneur, are very scared. Uh, my best advice is this. Um, I, I, this is my lifelong, uh, I, I have this on the wall at, at the dealership, the quality of your life is based on the quality of questions you ask. Mm. I love that saying, and it's so true, if you ask the right questions,
0: uh, you will be very successful in everything you do. I like that yeah um always come from um curiosity yeah so and don't be afraid i like that a lot nope well todd thank you so much for coming all right it's been a Um, blessing we'll uh we'll put the link to the podcast and a link to hub city ford's website um thank you for what you do and thank you for who you you are as
1: well you're doing a great job thank you for the you've made quite an impact on on acadiana so keep up the good work thanks appreciate that